Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Hawkeye. I'm Alex. Hawkeye. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're going to be talking about episode four, Partners. Am I right? Am I right? Am, Am I, I right? right? Come on. Am I right? You know what I'm talking about. No, I know I can hear. So if you haven't watched the episode on Disney Plus, go watch it because we're going to jump into spoilers. Yeah, go, very... watch <laughs> go watch it. So what if that was the whole podcast? We were just like, go watch it. <laughs> Bye. We're just really trying to raise awareness about Big Hawkeye and how everybody should go. Go no watch it. Stop no pushing your Big about... Hawkeye agenda. No one's talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's about time someone <laughs> instructed people to take it in. So thanks for checking out our one-minute-long podcast. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com oh, slash comic book. No, should we actually get into yes, it? Okay. Yeah. So very brief recap of what happens in this episode, and then we'll talk about some of the big moments. And there's lots of Easter eggs and other things to parse out here. But we pick up on the cliffhanger of the last episode with Jack's yeah. sword, or rather Ronan's sword. Pick it right up! To Clint's neck. Uh, what follows is a awkward tea time with Clint, Kate, Jack, and Kate's mom, who I'm going to call Vera Formiga. I'm sure she has an actual character name, but I don't remember what it is. It's Eleanor. Eleanor. There we go. Uh, so they have an awkward tea time, uh, and this ultimately leads to Kate and Clint having a very fun, very casual Christmas together. She gives him a Christmas movie marathon night, even though he can't have it with his kids. And then following up on that, we find uh, them tracking down the Rolex that we left off with in the first episode that was taken by the tracksuit mafia. In the midst of this, they recruit the LARPers to potentially make them some new costumes and also get some other assorted equipment as well as arrows. And at the end of the episode, they get the Rolex back from Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo's apartment. But a big battle ensues on the rooftop between Clint Kate, uh, Echo, and also, not a huge shocker, but big surprise, Yelena Belova, a.k.a. the new Black Widow. <laughs> new Black Widow. Not a huge shocker, but a big surprise. Yes. <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, I don't know how Well, that she's worked. a huge shocker it, it was with, her, huge. with her bracelets. Yeah, yeah the but Black Widow bracelets. Yes, considering I, I that we predicted last episode that she would show up this episode, not the hugest surprise in the world, well, but still I, very yeah. fun seeing her. And by the end of the episode, this forces Clint to partner break up with Kate, tell her to get out of there, tell her to not be a hero, keep herself safe. Of course, that will stick, and this is the last episode of the show at the end. Yeah, the classic Lassie go-home moment. It really... Mm. uh, Oh, man. Old Yeller, you get in the woods. You get... So I want to say one thing about this episode, just because this is something we've been talking about all along, or at least I've been talking about all along, this inability to get past the differences between Clint and the MCU and Clint from the comics. And there is one moment in this episode that I think positively broke me. 
Ooh. Positively broke me. And that's the boomerang arrow conversation. <laughs> now, in the middle of the episode, they have a conversation where Kate says, hey, why don't you get boomerang arrows? And Clint says, why would I get boomerang arrows? That doesn't make any sense. They just come back. Very funny conversation. But it's pretty much straight out of Hawkeye number three, the comics yeah. by Matt Fraction and David Aja. But the roles are reversed. In the comic, it's Clint saying, I should get some boomerang arrows, and Kate saying, that's stupid, why would you do that? And to me, that was the moment where I thought, okay, I still don't like Clint in the MCU. I don't love Jeremy Renner as an actor, but I, this is on me now. Like, I need to get over this, yeah, because this yeah. is it what they're doing Stop bringing the your baggage to shit, Exactly. Man. Exactly. They have decided this is they want a boring, lame ass character for Clint. That's what they're oh, into. Yeah. And uh, I got to be on board with that, you know? Well, I mean, I, I actually like it because it makes Kate mm-hmm. uh, f- super fun. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, really, uh, the Haley Seinfeld is, is so good. And the fact that she gets to be the the knockabout Hawkeye who has like weird ideas and is like trying to like get the brand out there and all that is, is so fun. And it also just made more sense. Like to try to change Renner into the Hawkeye Mm -hmm. from the Hawkeye series just is not, I mean, the actor Jeremy Renner truly disappears into any role that he does. But uh, (laughs) in this case, he is truly understands the assignment. I like to say that's a phrase I came up with. Yeah, 100% feels original. If you're watching Mayor of Kingstown, he is basically playing a more violent version of this character. (laughs) What's the movie, oh, Tag, where he broke both his arms and then had to CGI his arms? That was some incredible acting right there. I really feel like he understood the assignment. (laughs) Cool. Still cool. Very cool. Getting cooler. Mm -hmm. Well, let me throw out this. No wonder he doesn't like to have fun. He did a comedy and both of his arms were shattered. (laughs) (laughs) So he's probably scared. That's why he doesn't want to do jokes here at Hawkeye. What if it happens again? You can see anytime he's making a joke, he has his arms up like this. Like, oh, (laughs) stay away. Try to balance. Try to make sure. Uh, So, yes, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I feel like I've been harping on this thing for three episodes now that this really was the one where, to your point, Justin, they flipped it. Haley Steinfeld is way better at the comedy than him. So it's fine. Just go with it. It's all good. Um, And also, I think their dynamic in this episode was good. The Christmas party thing was very fun. And I do think they're getting into this rhythm of not just partners, but him being very much superhero dad uh, mode that is working very well. I, I I like this. I I really like the moment where they were getting grilled by the parents. You know, when they, it was like right after the oh my god, there's Avenger in my living room. To like, uh, what's going on? And they're both being grilled, and and she's kind of like, it's probably because I'm so chill. You know, I wasn't like, oh my god, it's you know, like that was just hysterical. Like she's saying something with a ton of energy, and he's just negating it. Nope, it's not like that. No, nope, no. Nope. So I, I agree. This fun person full of life and this curmudgeon who is literally being, you know, broken by this job, by this thing, you know. Now, Pete, what's it like to be a curmudgeon? Can you talk, walk us through the process of being, you are sort of the, the Hawkeye here, the, the Clint. Of yeah, the, yeah. Of you have Hawkeye. to put up with young, annoying people and, uh, you know, you're just trying to get through the day. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like, Justin, you're the Kate of the podcast, and I'm more kind of like the mysterious You're uncle. a pizza dog is what you are. <laughs> oh, I'm a pizza dog? Yeah, that's right. I do like pizza. <laughs> yeah. See? 
And I wink <laughs> makes a lot. lot of, yeah, he's always <laughs> winking. Yeah. That's very fun. I'm glad we've established that. It took us so long to, <laughs> to put our roles out there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but let's talk about that sequence with um, uh, the Hawkeyes and um, the parents. We spent so much time in this. It's so the whole like Forrest Gump quote. He missed yeah, quote stuff. Yeah. I was like, why? We're just like relax like a cat in the sun in this whole opening sequence, which I I thought was funny because we they still haven't revealed what the deal is with them. They're mm-hmm. definitely up to something. The, and also, right how there. does? Hawkeye not know the swordsman. You know what I mean? Like, I, I kept waiting for there to be Listen, some kind Pete, of... I've been saying this since the first episode of the podcast. you got to forget about the comics. Put those in the past. This is the TV show. This is how they want to do it. They don't want to follow that continuity. This has been the thing that I've been harping on since the beginning consistently, and you got to go along with me on this. Just shut up. Don't make it your thing. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of wanted there to be something, but... Uh, kind of makes more sense for it not to uh, uh, not to be, but yeah, I really loved the the banter in this episode. Mm. Really stepped up the back and forth, them kind of like developing a rhythm, uh, and the way they kind of like were connecting on trick arrows, trick shots, and that whole kind of like coin trick uh, it was really cool. The word that keeps occurring to me when I've been watching the show is shaggy, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, it, shaggy. It's, it's kind of a hangout show, a little bit. Like, it very much meanders. I'm not 100% sure what the stakes are, even four episodes in. Like, they keep getting attacked, and then the villains keep kind of walking away and leaving. And wow. then they get huge chunks of time where nobody's following them or tracking them down in any way. They keep kind of changing the goal in terms of they're looking for the Euronin uniform. They're trying to figure out what people are up to. No, they're they're up trying, to trying to get a watch. They're, and I don't, again, I don't mind it. Like, it's all yeah. this very fun hangout because the characters are so engaging. And to the point about the scene with the parents... Yeah, it goes on for a really long time, but Tony Dalton is so funny in that scene. Yeah. It sort of doesn't He's matter. Great. I'm happy to live there. The for a mustache while. alone is, you know, worth it. It's them. worth it for the mustache yeah, alone. Yeah, exactly. That's, <laughs> I can't even put that quote. I don't even want to say that quote again, even though you just said it. To well, what do you think, it? though? This is something you've been talking about a little bit, Justin. Given that he is doing this very goofy Forrest Gump-style thing, mistaking phrases all the time, mm-hmm. is he faking or is he yeah. actually, actually like faking. that? He's a complete faker. I think he's being a goof um, more and more so because he's going to turn hard and be like yeah. absolutely violent. I think we're going to get, like the moment with the sword at the end of last episode and him knocking the um, fencing foil out of Kate's hand, we're going to get... He's going to turn like a snake, I think, and really hurt someone in the show. Um, and I think that's – I love that. I think Tony Dalton's great. I think that uh, villain turn will be really cool. The only – the thing with Eleanor, the Vera Formiga characters, they seem like they are legit in love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that whole dancing thing really kind of won me over where it was like – for a while I was like, fuck this creepy guy. But then she was like, my mom doesn't dance. And it was like, oh, Yeah. And then they're laughing, and, and even very Kate kissy. can't. Yeah, and Kate can't even. A lot of she, kissing. Right she's in, the, right in front of the daughter. The nibbling? Kind of gross. A yeah. little bit gross. What? So there's two things that potentially we can unpack here. The first is something that we've touched on before on the podcast, but there's a lot of speculation that Vera Fabiga is the ultimate bad guy here. So if Jack is working for her, that might be, they might be villains in love. You know, they yeah. might be in yeah. love, but she's not that, being tricked necessarily. 
I, I think that's 100% like the case. Like Destro and the Baroness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just t- just send me a quick uh, <laughs> Wikipedia entry about what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Name dropping uh, G.I. Joe characters like I know the inner workings of their relationships. <laughs> Two uh, villains in love working together, you know, doing their passion. Destro isn't smooth mask, he's face mask, right? He's smooth ma- He's the, yeah, he's... he's yeah, it's a face. It's not no. Okay, Cobra it's like a smooth face. face. Yeah, it's yeah. a smooth face. Yeah, he's got a smooth, it's a smooth face. face. He's yeah. like, like a, a smooth Yoda oh kind of God. character. All right. I, mm. This is. I thought I could drop a nerdy reference and be all right, but I guess not. Absolutely, one not bridge on too podcast. far. Yeah. One bridge too far, my <laughs> friend. So. Absolutely not. Uh, but what I was going to say is, I think the order to your point, Alex, the order of the reveals will be. Uh, Jack's a villain. We've already sort of gotten that. He's running the money for the um, the tracksuit mafia for the big guy. Another thing to talk about. Oh, yeah. um, he's going to turn and do something really violent, and they're going to be like, oh, my God. Uh, Kate's going to be like, Mom, he's a villain. I, I was right. And then she's going to turn second. Aww. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, in terms of the big bug guy thing, we talked about this the last episode, but I I think it's pretty clearly pink, kingpin at this point, right? Like, Pinkin. Kingpin. I'm just not pronouncing things very well, but uh, it's pretty clearly Kingpin. And I do think this is something that we talked about a little bit, uh, I believe, on our live show. But there was news where Kevin Feige said Charlie Cox is our Daredevil in the MCU. If and when Daredevil ever shows up, don't know when that's going to be. He's going to be our Daredevil. There's a lot of speculation that Charlie Cox is going to show up as Matt Murdock, at the very least, in Spider-Man No Way Home. That's the same week as next week's episode of Hawkeye. So I really think we're going to get this one-two punch. Spider-Man No Way Home is out that quick? Uh, Isn't it next week, or is it two weeks from now? It's two Two weeks weeks. from now. So I do think we're going to have... Slow your roll there. But I think we're going to have those reveals in the same week. I think we're going to have the Kingpin reveal and the Charlie Cox, Matt Murdock reveal at the same time. So it's going to be this one-two punch of bringing these characters back, and that's going to tie it in some way. Well, and I agree with you. And let me say, watching this episode, it was definitely the recency bias of that Kevin Feige quote. But when the um, when Maya first attacks the Hawkeyes and then the, the black-clad figure comes out, at the same time I was like, Daredevil, uh, Kate's mom. Oh, <laughs> I uh, thought it was Kate's black mom, Widow. too. Yeah, I was, I was like one, two, three, all at the same time, and I was like, "Oh, it's definitely Black Widow," uh, but yeah. <laughs> it could. It looked like early season series Daredevil for mm-hmm. a, a bit there. That would have been wild. It also been, looked yes. like Spider Monkey. Before we jump over to that scene, <laughs> though, I do want to bring up one no, no, other the, thing when from Spider-Man, that scene when Spider Man Spider- was made that joke. Oh, Night Monkey. That's what it was. Night Monkey. What? <laughs> He made that joke in Far Away oh. From Home, where oh, he was like, oh, he, right. all yes, black. Far From Home, Night yeah. Monkey. I thought you were talking about an in-continuity character called Night Monkey. But. No, I thought Night Monkey was a G.I. Joe character that we didn't know about, <laughs> who like was a monkey with a grenade or something. <laughs> Lots of things this could be. Just getting back to the family scene, though, they're drinking out of mugs, and particularly Jack, not to get back to this thing from WandaVision, but is drinking out of a mug that has hexagons and bees on it. Uh are they playing on the whole WandaVision of it all? Is he part of Abe, or is this just a cute little mug? No, it's not a cute little mug. I mean, the thing mug. is, we also got a Thanos was right mug yeah. around. Which Clint was drinking out of up. it. <laughs> Clint was drinking out of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's messed up, man. It's crazy. Yeah. I wouldn't um, drink out of that mug. 
I would have drink. I'm yeah, Jewish. No, I would have drink out of a mug that says Hitler was right. You know? <laughs> wow. Yeah, and you actually um, uh, fought Hitler uh, famously <laughs> with all of your <laughs> yeah close in friends. World War II endgame. <laughs> that <laughs> is that was war- sort of the end. <laughs> I mean, that was more of the Infinity War, really. <laughs> uh, oh, not good. Yeah, not, uh, good. not too good far, attack. too far. <laughs> but yes, it is messed up. I did like the detail though of having that mug because that points to all these weird details about Kate's aunt and what's going on with her, and it feels like she's probably some sort of fringe right wing conspiracy theorist. Thanos was right type person. Um, I don't think we're supposed to read anything into that necessarily, so much as she's just a weirdo. Well, well what spe- about what about this theory? If she's if um, Eleanor. Uh, Kate's mom is a villain. Yep. Maybe the aunt who's who's not around, missing. Maybe, maybe she's also a villain, and so she's like oh, Thanos was right. Yeah, I mean, when we got the elevator talk with Clint and uh, Kate's mom, there it kind of was cold, and kind of uh, you know, like you, I can't lose uh, Kate. You know, it seemed almost like a warning, like mm-hmm. back up, otherwise I'm gonna. Have oh to- yeah. Reveal my evil. The dialogue definitely did that. How are you feeling about Vera Farmiga? Because I usually like her as an actress, but I feel like there's something a little weird and off here and not in a, ooh, I'm a villain and I'm secretly doing stuff way. It's like the dialogue is written as a warning, but she's delivering it as a concerned mom. And there's no, it doesn't feel like there's an undertone there is the thing that's. Uh, I, I agree with you, and I think it's a choice because I, I, I yeah. think it actually matches with a lot of the ways that Tony Dalton sort of plays stuff. Like it, it's clear he's been sort of villainous the whole time, mm-hmm. but he's the way his lines are all like very nice and friendly, and so I, I feel like they're sort of mirroring each okay. other in there. Yeah, right, I think they're enough. playing that for effect for sure. I mean, because you <laughs> look at that room they're sitting in; it's a room full of swords and weapons uh, to kill, and they're just kind of having tea and making crazy. Uh, jokes, you know, life is a box of chocolates and all that kind of stuff. So it's a fun juxtaposition for sure. Um, the but- shot, the shots of of the Hawkeyes and uh, and Tony Dalton and Vera Formiga, the the swords in the foreground of both shots, it's like so aggressively yeah, in the frame. It's oversorted for sure. Oversorted. I think we could all agree with that. Um, why don't we talk about the LARPers returning here? Kate Will's- goes over to them. Uh, meets a couple of them. We find out a couple of them are characters from the Hawkeye limited series from back in the day. Wendy Conrad is bombshell. We get a little shout out to that. Yeah. I mean, Orville, if you got a nice bag, you, 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 you don't want to give it up. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like you got a couple of bears, Well, but there, she's a bag. character called bombshell. She's like a small, very D C E list character. And there's also a guy named Orville who was paired with her. Uh, He's another one of the LARPers. He was a character named Oddball. Um, But given everything that we see with the LARPers this episode and what happens and the fact that they're probably making these costumes for Kate and Clint, I know I was a little more down on it than you guys, but do you feel like this is redemption for the LARPers here? No, I'm I'm more with you now. (laughs) When I saw them back, I was like, oh, no. We were just moving past all this into some more fun Hawkeye stuff. And then they're like saying their names. Uh, it felt like a, a step backwards a bit to me. I do like the idea that they're making the costumes, and so that's the reason the costumes are going to be goofy for Clint to wear because it's LARPers making them. And I, I think that's cool. I also like that. 
I disagree a little bit. I think the use of the LARPers was fun because it was like Clint was like, you know what? I, I'm Kate, you're bothering me. Go do something with the LARPers. That was my personal hell. You know, maybe you can handle it. And she's having a great time with them. You know what I mean? So, like, to see her having fun with the LARPers and it was driving him insane was another fun kind of, you know, like, he, she completely turned that around. Like, he... I, was, I'll agree with you, Pete, on that. I was the same way as you, Justin, at the beginning. I didn't like that first scene because it struck me poorly in the same way as the other one because they're using these weapons badly and it's embarrassing and she's looking at them as big, huge nerds. But cutting into that second scene where they're all over to the apartment together and she's talking about how cool their armor is and everything, that's the journey that I wanted Clint to go on the first time we met him. And he was like, nope, no, I'm out of here. You guys suck. That Kate yeah. went there. I was like, yes, Kate. Okay, that's that's how this should go. Yeah. That's how this pads out. And by the second scene there, I was at least a little more on board than I was the first time we saw them in the second episode, I guess. And also even earlier in this episode, personally. 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 Um, well, I guess we've switched, switched roles yet again, Alex. <laughs> oh, <laughs> classic. Uh, and does that mean that I'm the Kate now and you're the pizza dog? <laughs> no. No, no, not <laughs> permanently. <laughs> Let's jump forward to the big final action sequence and fight then because there's so much stuff going on there. We get so many great moments in here, not the least of which is that four-way rooftop fight. What jumped out to you guys, though? Uh, I love that Kate totally Batmans uh, Clint and mm-hmm. is already down in the street getting into the place. Um, the thing where the sort of joke of her only making it halfway through the, um, across the, the, uh, grappling hook line. Right. I was like, oh, I see it. That's a funny, but they actually made it really scary in a good way. And they kept it up. It wasn't like this ongoing thing. Just in general, I thought the pacing of everything was really well done. Yeah. I, I also really liked the whole kind of like, um. Her just walking right in and, you know, like holding the groceries and then the person thinking that she was crazy was fun. Um, The realization that it was a silent alarm was great. Um, And then just kind of the it was like, holy shit, we're getting again this like. You know, we got Echo, and all of a sudden we were right in with a fight, and it was like, oh, crap. And then we were into, like, a double battle, which I really thought, like, oh, great. They're not making us, like, wait for any of this. They're really giving us action as soon as they kind of talk about it or start to introduce it. And so it was really cool heightening of, like, all right, you thought Echo was going to be the main bad, but now there's another person. And, yeah, uh, it was... A kind of crazy reveal where I was like, wait, was she actually there or did they CG her head on that uh, other actress? Because it kind of looked a little wait, bit weird. Ooh, Kate, when she was hanging no. there? No, no. Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Uh, oh. She didn't say anything and her face looked a little like weird shadowy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her head was like two feet to the right of her body. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. that bad. That was pretty strange. But Did yeah. you think it was weird before we get back to Florence Pugh? It was weird to me that they didn't pew pew that they didn't know it was Echo's apartment because like they knew the tracksuit mafia broke into this auction they knew the watch was gone and then they're surprised that the leader of the tracksuit mafia has the watch I think Kate didn't know it was okay. Maya's place I think Clint knew the whole time and was like being weird for some reason um, <clears throat> I thought it was weird when she totally blasts two goop arrows 
Like, we just spent the whole episode being out of arrows, and she wastes them. Yeah, that was strange. Double gooped uh, it. Double gooped it. Didn't get the arrows back or anything like that. The watch is no. just sitting there, and then she takes it, and then they get into this big fight. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a nice Rolex like that, you're just going to leave mm-hmm. it laying around like, wow. Come on, put do that we on your talk wrist. About, do we want to talk about the watch again for a second here? We can talk about the watch. Um, I think my theory still stands. Anybody else? If any, well, I have a new theory. You. I have a new theory. But what was your theory? Do you want to remind? My me? theory was that's that's uh, Iron Man. It's Tony Stark's watch, and if activated, it puts an Iron Man suit around. Oh, you. I thought my, your theory was we were just inside a giant Rolex commercial. Ooh, yes. I mean, I think my personal life is a big Rolex commercial. Okay, so that's just a- my Matrix style <laughs> theory about how the world works. Think about it: Matrix, theory. Rolex. Whoa. Here's whose watch I think it is. Here's my theory. Are you ready? Is this the watch watch? This is the... We're on watch watch now. We're going to move into the section of the show called watch watch. We're going to watch watch. <laughs> watch uh, I think... I think the watch is Laura Barton's watch. Linda Cardellini. Because there's a lot of information that's really interesting that we... Fi- hold on. That we find out in this Suspect. episode. She is able to find Sloan Limited and research them almost immediately. She speaks multiple languages. She's clearly investigating things with Clint. And if you think about it, we have never seen her off of that farm the entire time we've seen her in any of the (laughs) Avengers movies, or more importantly, in the series where she was the only person that came into New York. So it's distinctly possible that that watch is something that she wore when she was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's why she's at the farm. She needs to stay in hiding away from sight. And in fact, I think you're going to like this one. Maybe she's Mockingbird. Whoa, that's great. You got all that from a watch? Not all that from a watch. From like a couple of other clues (laughs) in the episode in particular. But I think like Clint, the way that he talks, first of all, she's the one like, hey, you got to get back that watch. That you, I thought you destroyed that watch. Why is that watch still there? So she's the one that's kind of sending him on this mission to take care of this watch. She's very involved in it. He never specifically refers to whose watch it is or who's involved or anything like that. So I, but talks I think about just, it a lot. He says yeah. stuff like, "Oh, it's someone who hasn't used it in a long time or hasn't been around in a long time." Because that yeah. was making me making me think my theory was right, but your theory is. Very smart and great. Uh, the Are other you- thing that I'll point out, sorry, just one last thing about this piece that I'll mention, and I know we've talked about like Ages of Shield doesn't really actually matter. Uh, now I'm losing interest in your theory. Yeah, uh, but no, no, no. no. <laughs> this is this is I think actually more. That was years the of theory. my life. You can't tell me that doesn't matter. Adrian Palicki, who is very good as Bobby Morse, who is the name of Mockingbird uh, in the Marvel universe, uh, she was announced as Mockingbird. Like, I look back on this, and when Jeff Loeb came out, he's like, we've cast Adrian Palicki as Mockingbird, a.k.a. Bobby Morse. They never called her Mockingbird the entire time on the show. They only called her Agent 19 since she was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I think we are going to get this reveal that Linda Cardellini, that's how she and Clint got together. They were partners, maybe even on the Black Widow mission, potentially, that they talk about in this episode. And that's she awesome. was codenamed Mockingbird. Now, are you going to be upset when Clint uh, gets the watch and then hands it to Nick Fury and he's like, oh, thanks, I lost this? <laughs> <laughs> that would be the most disappointing thing. This is so... <laughs> Rolex, that's how I keep time. <laughs> 
Well, so here's something that I think is interesting to think about with these Marvel shows in terms of these reveals that we've talked about on previous podcasts with things like the power broker and he who remains on Loki um, or even like who's behind WandaVision. There's all these wild theories throwing out and it's always something that they actually set up in the show, like yeah. arguable about he remains, but they never call him Kang in the show. They just reveal he who remains or the power broker. People are like, could it possibly be Sharon? Maybe it's this other character they haven't referred to at all or brought it in any way. And then it turns out to be Sharon. And all of these things are things that are actually in the episodes we're watching. So I think whoever this watch belongs to, to suddenly bring in Nick Fury at the end is weird. We haven't talked yeah. about him at all, you know? Yeah, so, I don't think it's going to be Nick Theory. Nick um, Theory. So we'll see Nick that. Nick Theory. It's going to be theory. Nick Theory. <laughs> So that was a big monologue, but I want to hear from you guys what you thought about the Black Widow fight in particular and Yelena showing up at this episode. What was your your take on that? I like seeing her here. It fell out of nowhere. And then to your point earlier, they all just like run away when it's like, oh, you just won. Why are you leaving? Isn't she supposed to kill him? Yeah. So this is for anybody who did miss Black Widow. There's a post credit sequence where Yelena is at Natasha's grave. You should go watch Black Widow first. It's. Good, fun movie. Uh, but the Contessa, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, comes up to the grave and re- tells her that Hawkeye was responsible for the death of Natasha and wants him, her to go kill him. And that's where we leave off in Black Widow. So that's where we're picking up for here. Like you're saying, Justin, why she left at that point, I have no idea. I like the nod. I like the look at Kate being like, don't shoot the arrow. I'm going to take you down. But there's no reason for her to jump off the roof after that. I mean, that, like, the spin move dismount off the roof was pretty damn cool. Oh, very cool. Let me ask this, though. The other confusing part to me is, like, how does the Contessa and Maya relate? How do they fit together? Like, because it seemed like, like, they were, didn't just, Maya and uh, Black Widow didn't show up randomly at the same time. They were together. I think they did. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Which she, points to Black Widow was maybe stalking them, and then Echo was just kind of defending her a silent alarm type of thing. I think, yeah. frankly, the Elena thing contradicts everything I just said about stuff existing in the show, where that's something that you can't understand if you haven't seen Black Widow. There's a way of bringing it back around and bringing everything together. We've seen shots in the trailer of Clint and Kate both on the ice skating rink at Rockefeller Center fighting the tracksuit yeah. mafia in their costumes. It would be great if they're able to bring absolutely everything together in a really nice way for this battle royale. Yeah. But there's still a lot of explaining that needs to go on before that. I, yes. I want to And get... they keep adding more things that mm-hmm. don't quite make sense. I want to uh, talk about some of the uh, sad, powerful stuff that we got in this episode. Go ahead, Pete. Okay. Pete um, Pete's Cry Corner. Yeah. Cool. So Pete's like, Cry Corner. Wow, wow, wow. Go ahead, Pete. <laughs> when she is kind of uh, pushing for the story when they're hanging out at uh, the ant's pad, and he's like, it's not a good story, you know? And then he's like, you know, my favorite shot is the shot I didn't take. Yeah. And then he kind of like, uh, you know, gets all uh, emotional about Natasha and how she was the best. Um, what was interesting is we got this kind of like, uh, and I think it was a little bit later, where we saw these flashes of him as Ronan and then him with Natasha and then the kind of like the old release where she uh, fell to her death. 
And what was really powerful about that is it really seemed like he wanted to die to kind of pay for his sins as Ronan. Like he was like ready to die because of what he did. And that was kind of his way out. And like, then that kind of really like the fact that he's been carrying uh, her death around with him kind of really explains his curmudgeon kind of gloom a little bit. Like, he he's so happy to have his family back, but he's also feels like, you know, the fact that she died for him where he was kind of ready to die was just this really small but very kind of powerful thing that they did in this episode that kind of really helped explain Clint a little bit more that I was very moved by. Let me ask you, Pete, using the what you just said in um, just transitive uh, logic, whose death are you trying to atone for with your curmudgeonly ways? <laughs> That's a really good question. It's not a good story. <laughs> <laughs> it also, just from a uh, structural standpoint, does a really nice job of setting up that final bit with Kate where she's dangling over the roof. Oh, my and this God. this time yeah, he does whole... let her go on purpose. Yeah. In order to, to save, save her. her. Hey, Christmas uh, lights yeah. save lives, guys. All right. Randomly yeah, put up I, Christmas lights anywhere around high rises or always. the softest roofs. of all materials. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it, it just reminded me of how uh, I found it powerful, how much I don't like that sequence. In, <laughs> <laughs> in yeah, in I Infinity agree. War. The whole Vormir thing. Uh, I get it. Just please stop flashing back to it. I don't want to see it anymore. It was bad. Yeah, but I mean, you can understand how it would really haunt Clint, you know? like I did like that. I like the idea that he falls asleep every night thinking about how bad that sequence is. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what happens to you, right, Alex? Well, yeah. You have the same flashes of images. <laughs> so it really connected me with him. It was very nice. A that, couple scene, of other... that scene is tied to me. It's tied um, to me. Just, uh, I think, two other Easter eggs that I wanted to call out. Kate is wearing the shirt that says Nanka on it, Mm -hmm. which is the exact shirt that Kate wears in Hawkeye 22, which is very fun. Uh, And also, I did not catch this one. This is uh, Brett White, a friend of our podcast who we've had on a couple Ah. of times. Oh, yeah. He pointed out that... While Kate was with the LARPers in the background, one of the Christmas songs playing is Bells, 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 but it's the version that C-3PO and R2-D2 sing from the Star Wars Holiday wow. Special. Wow. Oh, my which is God. Wild I did not Easter egg. that. Very deep yeah. cut. Brett's brain is attuned to different frequencies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love it, though. It's a good I, me, too. It's a I love that he picked it up. Impressive. Well, and I have one larger, sort of larger issue that I feel like, uh, Pete, especially, I think I need to talk about this with you. Mm-hmm. When Kate comes over mm-hmm. with the, for the daiquiri sequence, she brings some holiday movies. Yep. And at the top of the heap, ass- assuming it's the first movie, the one she wants to watch the most, is the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. <laughs> How do you feel about that? That's a, that's a, I mean, I'm not going to judge people's taste in movies because I don't think I have the best taste in movies. But uh, that's why I brought this to you specifically. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make somebody watch that. Would you? Definitely not. And let me say, I think underneath the Santa Claus was the Santa Claus too. I, I don't have evidence for that. That's just what it looked but like to me. That's also hilarious. Underneath the Santa Claus 2 was Santa Claus 3, followed by the complete box set of Home Improvement, which isn't even Christmas. <laughs> but we just if did a couple gonna, of Christmas episodes. I mean, I can understand it. I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't want this to happen to me, but if, you know, 
somebody's going to go over to Curmudgeon's house and make him watch movies, like, you know, you're probably going to make him watch a Tim Allen movie, right? Tim Allen. And he's funny. Now that, now that you mention it, though, he, she, Kate is always going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh my God. Huh? Oh boy! <laughs> More power! Oh wow! I can't believe we all had to watch that when we were. <laughs> <laughs> I told my kids about that movie the other day. I, I think it came up because they asked me what would happen if you killed Santa Claus, and I was like, "There's actually a whole movie about that." Wow! <laughs> <laughs> what a creepy thing to say. <laughs> That's a crazy thing to say. Well, actually, there's a whole movie about it, kids. Well, and let's remember the movie itself is creepy. Tim Allen kills Santa Claus at yeah, the beginning yeah. of the movie. Kills and then Santa Claus uh, and adopts his identity. It's a whole uh, talented Mr. Ripley rip. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> same script. If you look at it, it's Find written by the same. Uh, yeah. That's all they did. They, they added a bunch of Mr. Christmas Ripley, shit. which is how they refer to it with the movie all the time, uh, with yeah. Santa Claus I, at the end. I do like the fact that this show has hit such a rhythm where, like, I'm enjoying, I'm like, I'm seeing Clint, like, rap tape all these, like, daiquiris to his face cool. and stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, as soon as he sits down, something's going to happen. He's not going to be able to relax. <laughs> he wants to relax. He needs to relax. But, man, they're not think- going to let him. Do you think if he strapped, like, uh, peas, bags of peas and corn, that they would have spent all night eating peas and corn? Yeah. yeah. And I, then he would have told the story. He would have told all the fucked up stories. Can you I'm imagine so Jeremy? peas, I'll, I'll say anything right now. Can you imagine Jeremy Renner after actually having two daiquiris, how pleasant he is to be around? <laughs> That's what I was thinking about during that scene. Oh, <laughs> Any other items of note you want to talk about for the episode? Any other I, scenes or moments you want to call out? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the dry erase marker joke um, is played out a lot, but still oh. enjoyable. Just still I, enjoyable. You it's know? a good version of it, I thought. Yeah. 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 That was good. Um, that was it, Pete. <laughs> oh, the- also the um, uh, Trust a Bro uh, uh, car lot there. That was I'm I love catching all the trust of bro signs and all the bro moving and that stuff. Uh, really fun tracksuit. And, and on that note, I thought the scene with Clint and Kazi in the car was very fun. I really oh my liked god, him as yeah, a that was the whole yeah. exasperated way. He was like, "Can I have my gun back?" Very funny. Mm-hmm. I I like that relationship quite a bit, and I also liked again, even though I don't like Clint that much, but I liked him being this assassin badass that he has been in the MCU and coming into the situation, but Kazi being on the same wavelength as the show and those two things clashing. I yeah. Was they're, done. Their back and forth was very enjoyable. It wasn't very typical. It was more like, Hey, let's cut through the shit. Here's what I know. Here's what you know. It, it was very interesting back and forth. Uh, I thought it was very cool. Uh, but uh, before I was cut off the bro, uh, car lot, had a lot of old school, unbelievable cars. I mean, really, just that tracking shot where you saw some like seventies cars. That was nice. Mm. Cool. Should we move on and talk about our vision board? What we're hoping to see in the next episode, Justin? What's on your vision <sighs> board for Hawkeye episode five? Well, I'm. Uh, I think we need. I think I may have said this last episode. I think we need the villain turn. Let's go. We gotta. See, we gotta see it. We gotta make some moves. If we're gonna get that mockingbird turn that you mentioned, I'd love to see that uh, and setting us up because we're. We only have uh, two, two more ups, right? Two yeah. more ups. So this is the one where all the pieces have to enter the board so they can all be shaken up in a big box in the last episode. 
Pete, what about you? What's on your vision board for the next well, episode? Well, I'm hoping that, like, you know, Kate's going to kind of, like, get, like, a half a block away, and Clint's going to run after her and be like, listen, I'm, you know, I'm dealing with a lot, and uh, I'm sorry. You know, like, um, I think what I'm trying to say, and just kind of be a little bit nicer about, like, he's trying to keep her at a safe distance for her own good, uh, and they can come to some uh, common ground quickly because they've got a lot of shit to get to the bottom of. I mean, you know, if I if we're gonna get a kingpin reveal, I want this in the next app. You know, mm. I don't want to like oh, just before the credits of the last app, we get to see kingpin. Like, uh, if we're gonna get into some kingpin shit, let's get into some kingpin shit. Um, also, yep. I feel like though we got to kind of do like a whole Black Widow kind of thing on uh, the next step. So um, I'm nervously excited for it. I did think it was interesting that like, you know, kind of when we got the recap or the previously on also started with Sorry Santa. I was very happy about that callback to that bit. But I think that like it started mainly with that phone call and it was kind of like this sad, powerful thing. So I feel like maybe that's what's going to start the next episode uh, kind of unpacking this Natasha Black Widow thing a little bit more. But hopefully it will just be a conversation uh, between the two and we we don't have to go through a whole fight and then they can finally talk, you know, because that's... Got to be honest, Pete, your vision board looks a little more like a murder board right now. Yeah. But yeah. that said, I agree with both of you guys. Definitely want to see a villain reveal next episode. Definitely want, even though I love Florence Pugh as Yelena, I want to see them resolve the Black Widow thing so that we can get Kate and Clint facing down whatever the thing is in the final episode. I do think also we're not going to get Kingpin until the very end. I think we're going to have to deal with Maya Lopez, with Echo. We're going to have to deal with Jack and probably Eleanor as well and whatever is going on there. And I think that's ultimately going to be the resolution I think that's ultimately going to be the resolution there that we're going to see some sort of Maya going up to her uncle and being like, I'm sorry, I failed you. And him being like, that's OK, I'm making an omelet. And that'll mm. be pretty no, much the he's end staring of the at a painting, trying not to murder her. And making an omelet. Those are the two things he immediately did. Oh, okay. But after they make, they're like, wait, why are there three omelets? And that's when um, Al Pacino steps out and says, Hey, it's me. <laughs> oh, Mephisto's famous catchphrase, hey, it's me. <laughs> I love it. From the comics. So Classic comic. Hey. Let go of Hey, hey, it's me. <laughs> you want to get nuts? Oh, man. I read a story about that. Stan Lee pitched it. They were like, Stan, can you come up with anything better? He's like, not today. <laughs> and that it's was the, the last thing I've got in the tank. That's how, that was his famous catchphrase. <laughs> not today. Not today. <laughs> I'm off. Goodbye. <laughs> what a cavalcade I mean, of fun <laughs> voices we just did. I was a little disappointed in how the episode ended uh, to kind of like. Uh, after giving us a little hope and the, the downbeat, I was a little disappointed, but uh, I'm still having a real blast with the show. That's great. Nice. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Hawkeye, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com. For this podcast and many more, until next time, stay marvelous. Hey, it's your boy, (laughs) Mephisto. (laughs) 